morning, everybody. Uh, good morning to you all in the sanctuary. Good morning uh, to those on Zoom. I, I don't know who's there. I can't see uh, on the, the laptop here, but welcome. Um, yeah, it's good to be together this morning to, to praise God. I'm, I think we're all well aware that uh, yeah, because of circumstances, there are a number of people who um, perhaps don't feel joyful in in the earthly sense um you know we're we're aware that uh we have lost dear friends in in recent days and weeks but god is still good and so i i do pray that uh, we can all um just focus on him um and that we will indeed be filled with joy with the joy of knowing god knowing jesus and uh that we'll be able to come and worship him this morning. Um, we're going to start with a, a song that I, I came across recently. Uh, it's, it's on YouTube, um, called Creator God, just reminding us of uh, the fact that the God whom we worship is our creator, and not only our creator, but the creator of, of everything in, in heaven and earth. So I hope you'll be able to, to sing along. Um, certainly the chorus is very simple to, to pick up. So if we could uh, start by singing to our Creator God. You put the stars in endless space You put the freckles on my face And all the fish that swim and all the birds that fly Away from your We celebrate you. 
says praise the Lord praise the Lord from the heavens praise him in the heights above praise him all his angels praise him all his heavenly hosts praise him sun and moon praise him all you shining stars praise him you highest heavens and you waters above the skies let them praise the name of the Lord for he commanded and they were created he set them in place forever and ever he gave a decree that will never pass away so let's uh, carry on praising the Lord in song. It's falling from the clouds, a strange and lovely sound. I hear it in the thunder and the rain. of the universe plays singing you are holy great and mighty the moon and the stars declare who you are and I'm so unworthy but still you love me forever my heart will sing of how great Song of galaxies is reaching far beyond the Milky Way. Let's join in with the sound. Come on, let's sing it out as the music of the universe plays. We're singing, You are holy, great and mighty, the moon and the stars.
Jesus high and I will praise your name praise your name and I will praise your name praise your name and I will praise your name
As he leads you, please speak out words of, of praise to our God. He spent 40 days teaching his disciples until returning to his Father in heaven. On the 14th day of the first Jewish month, Jesus was in the house with his 12 disciples, and there was a sound like a rushing wind. There appeared tongues of flame, which settled on the disciples, filling them with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke in tongues. Many visitors to Jerusalem were amazed to hear their own language spoken, but others just mock the disciples. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, even as we gather now, we take you at your word there, just as the Spirit was poured out at Pentecost. So, Father, we're, we just come and we ask that you would pour out your Spirit again upon us today. Father, you're the good Father who knows how to give good, the good, good gift of your 
Spirit to your children. We are your children. So Lord, we ask that you would pour out the gift of your Spirit on us, even now. Come Holy Spirit, fill us afresh, baptise us with your presence and power. In Jesus' name, Amen. We thank you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are working here among us this morning. Amen. Amen. Could we take up the offering, please? Father, Martin's reminded us this morning that you know how to give us good gifts. And that was said in the context of the Holy Spirit. But Lord, you give us so many good gifts. And we just thank you for those. Thank you for the material things you give us. And Lord, uh, I do pray for, for this offering and the offering that comes in in other ways. Lord, these are gifts that your people want to give back to you in acknowledgement of all that you have done for us, all that you continue to do. And Lord, we do ask for wisdom, as always, in uh, using this money. Um, help us to regard it as yours, yes. which it is, it's not ours. And Lord, we ask that, uh, again, you would give us the wisdom to use it wisely for your purposes. Amen. Amen. 
Doing all right. You're okay there, Jen. Yes. Um, yeah, I, it just occurred to me that, I mean, there may be people who are not aware that the Holy Spirit can actually come on somebody and overwhelm them to such a point that they appear to be collapsing. But <laughs> Jen is not ill. <laughs> Jen is uh, looking perfectly happy here and uh, her husband Dave was with her. So please don't, don't worry when you, you see things like that happening. Um, yeah, we will be moving into communion shortly, but before we do that, we're going to sing again. So as we uh, sing this song, perhaps the communion stewards could make their way to the front. Thank you. <laughs> I will kneel in the dust at the foot of the cross where mercy paid for me. Where the wrath I deserve, it has gone, it has passed, your blood has hidden me. Mercy.
to give thanks for the cross that we see on the back wall there. Jesus gave up his life. He sacrificed his life for you and for me. And he did that to pay the price of our sin, which is death. And he did it to reconcile us to God the Father because our sin separates us from God. There is no way back to God apart from Jesus, who died breaking down the dividing wall between us and God, providing a way for us to know the Father through the Son and to have the Holy Spirit living in us. So this meal is for Christians. You don't have to be a member of this church to take the bread and wine today. We just ask that you know that you have knelt as it were, at the foot of the cross, that you have received Jesus, you have believed in his death and resurrection, and you have received forgiveness for your sin. Perhaps for some of us, we've drifted in our faith over the years, and for some of us, it may be the time to come back to faith and to say sorry to God for drifting away. Maybe you're one of those who's not sure whether you've made that step of commitment today. I would ask you to continue that journey by talking to Christians. Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart. And all you have to do is open the door and invite him in. We would love to pray with you after the service, if that's you today, to receive Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, to know the joy and delight of a relationship with the Creator and Father God. So if you're in that place where you've not yet made that step of commitment to Jesus, I would ask you, don't be embarrassed to remain with us. We would we love to have you here. Um, just allow the bread and the wine to pass you by, but I would ask that you reflect on what these symbols mean. And Jesus said, I am the bread of life. <coughs> whoever feeds on me will live forever. Faith in Jesus leads to eternal life, symbolized by the bread. The bread symbolizes his body, sacrificed on the cross for us. And this wine 
symbolizes his blood shed for the forgiveness of our sin. Shed so that we can be reconciled, put right with God. So you may not yet be a Christian, but reflect on the cross, on the symbols of bread and wine, and ask God to show you more of Jesus. So Tony's going to lead us in a prayer of thanksgiving for the bread and the wine. Thank you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we can call you Father. And we thank you that you are creator God and that you created all things. And when you had finished, you said, it is good. Yes. But Lord, you knew that we, as your creation, would spoil it. We would let sin enter in. And yet you didn't want heaven without us. Mm. And so you drew salvation's plan that you knew you would have to send your son to die in our place. The innocent to die so the guilty may go free. And we thank you, Jesus, for that sacrifice that you made at Calvary. Yes. We thank you it wasn't so much the nails that held you to the cross, but our sin and our shame that held you there. And it was because of your love for us that you were willing to give up the glory of heaven, to die the death of a criminal in our place. But we thank you that it didn't end at Calvary, that on the third day you rose again. You defeated death, you defeated sin, that we are now set free from the power of death and sin. So thank you, Jesus, that you are willing to give up your body, symbolized by the bread that we share together, and that your blood was poured out that we might have forgiveness of sins. So Jesus, we thank you from the bottom of our hearts for all that you've done for us. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Tony. And we remember that Jesus took bread, and after he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We will eat the bread as we receive it. Because this is a family meal, it's right that we bring prayers for the church worldwide and um, nationally and closer to home, remembering, of course, our own fellowship. If you're on uh, Zoom at home, we ask that if you want to pray, you unmute and share. And uh, again, in here, uh, Janine will uh, bring the mic over as soon as she can to where you are praying. But let's uh, move into a time of uh, open prayer. Um, I wanted to share with you the um, a prayer to begin with. Um, just remembering the many Christians around the world who face the daily threat of terrorism and persecution. And uh, this is uh, the prayer from uh, my Barnabas prayer guide today. Heavenly Father, we lift up before you our brothers and sisters who face the daily threat of terrorism 
We pray for their protection against those who seek to instill fear. We particularly remember those driven from their homes in northern Nigeria, Mozambique, and the Democratic Republic of Congo. We ask that your people will stand firm as your representatives when faced with extremists. Please enable your children to know that they are chosen by you and that your strength and help and uphold them with your righteous right hand. We ask in the name of the one who triumphed over terror and evil, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Please continue to lead us as the Spirit prompts and leads you. Father God, we hold those who have recently you've called home, our families, our friends, our loved ones. Father, comfort those that mourn. And Father, we pray that you give Christian men and women around them boldness to comfort, to say the right word in season for them, to know that you are God. Father, we pray for all the practicalities of this sad time. Pray you go before and make that path smooth. Mm. And Father, we pray for those that are outside the kingdom that hear this good this, this news, that you return their hearts to you in their time of need. Mm. In Christ's name we pray. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, Lord, we particularly lift uh, the families before you today of Nigel and of Ken and of Mike, Lord, who've lost loved ones recently. We ask, Spirit of God, you are the comforter, the counsellor, the one who comes alongside. Please come alongside these families. Pour out your love, your comfort, your peace upon them at this time as they make arrangements. Remember their loved ones. Give them assurance, Lord, of salvation. Lord, we continue to remember uh, Marion, still in hospital. Lord, deliver her from COVID and continue to pour out wholeness and healing upon her, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes, Lord, we continue to remember Katie's family as yes. well. Yes. Uh, Katie herself is quite poorly, Lord, and we would just pray for a touch and of your healing hand upon her. Be with her sisters too and the wider family. Yes. We ask this in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Our Lord, we pray for my relatives that suddenly lost a child here in England. They were they live in Zimbabwe and they were on holiday and they received the news a couple of days ago that their daughter had died in the north of England. Uh, we pray that Lord you hold them and give them strength to carry on in this journey. We pray for everyone else in the world that is going through 
terrible things, mm. terrible things like the the in-law of Uganda, the president's in-law, the son, we understand that he deals in human organs trading and sells them in Qatar. Mm. We pray that all stops. We pray that it comes to public and that it stops. Mm. We pray for all the terrible things that happen around the world to poor people. Amen. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that it's a living word and it's sharper than a two-edged sword. <clears throat> Lord, it has the power to speak into our lives. And as we hear your word read, and as we look at it together, Lord, we ask, Spirit of God, that you would open our hearts to receive and to respond to all that you would say to us now. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> And that the reading is from Acts chapter 1, first 11 verses. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit, and we ask that your Holy Spirit now would anoint Martin as he speaks and anoint each of us as we hear. Amen. Thank you, Alison. Just like to uh, thank Alison and the, uh, the music group, the worship leaders for yeah, wonderful time of worship, wasn't it, at the beginning of the service? Um, sometimes we, we take these 
people and their service for granted. We don't always uh, remember to say thank you. Um, and uh, it's wonderful to be in the presence of God, isn't it? And to feel the Spirit move, to experience and encounter the Holy Spirit in our worship. Um, we continue today um, looking at the person and work of the Holy Spirit. And I want to look today at how the Holy Spirit empowers us to be witnesses for Jesus. I don't know if you're aware, but one of the um, key aspects of, the, of Luke's gospel and the book of Acts is empowerment of the Holy Spirit for witness. That's Luke's emphasis, really, is empowering Christians by the Holy Spirit for witness. God wants all Christians to be confident and bold and full of joy in Jesus. Do you believe that? God doesn't want kind of Christians who are sort of insecure and fearful, and worried about what they believe. God wants us to be on fire with the truth of Christ and to have confidence in that. So many of us, though, don't have that confidence. Um, and I, I do wonder why. Um, I think it's to do with um, a couple of things, which I'll get into in the sermon. But you know this from experience. If you are confident in a relationship with a husband or a wife or a girlfriend or a family member or a good friend, you will talk openly and warmly about that person because you delight in their presence. You like being around them. You're secure in your relationship. So it's not unnatural for you to speak about that relationship, right? Just making it simple, right? If you are insecure and you don't delight in a relationship, it's less likely that you're going to talk warmly and openly about that relationship. It's just the way the world works, isn't it? So shouldn't our love for Jesus enable us to speak warmly, openly about him? Just sheer logic. Um, it's a relationship, isn't it? So we should be able to talk about Jesus openly, warmly, confidently, just as we talk about our other relationships. If we don't, I suggest that we may need to, to ask the Spirit to deepen our love for God today, right? You see, the Holy Spirit wants us to fill us with more love for God and for Jesus so that we're secure and bold and confident in our relationship. And so it just overflows naturally from us. That's why Jesus told his disciples to wait for the gift of the Spirit so that they would be given the power that they needed to be these bold and confident witnesses. So verse 8 um, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. But what does it mean? What did it mean for the disciples, the apostles who were with Jesus in person to be witnesses? And what does it mean for you and I to be witnesses? We cannot be witnesses in exactly the same way as the apostles were, can we? Because we weren't with Jesus in person for three years. 
We didn't meet him risen from the tomb in the same way as the first apostles did. But I want to show this morning that we can be just as bold, just as confident, and just as joyful in our witness. Do you believe me? Good. But Jesus makes it clear that if we're to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to have confidence, boldness, and joy, we need to be baptized by the Spirit. Verses 4 and 5. Here it is. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. To be baptized means to be soaked, immersed, covered over. That's why we have a swimming pool at the front here. The, the verb baptizo means to be immersed or soaked. You can't be soaked by, through sprinkling. You have to be covered over, immersed, soaked in water to be baptized. That's what the word means. Bit of a clue there. We had this picture at a prayer meeting. It was really helpful. Do you ever come to wash the car yourself? Um, and you come to a very dry and crusty sponge that's been left in the garage. It's got covered in all kinds of stuff, dirt, and there's a hard crust on the sponge. It wouldn't be much good, would it, that sponge in washing your car if you just kind of gave it a quick dip and then started scrubbing away? Because probably the hardness, the dirt, would still be making the surface of the sponge really hard and it wouldn't be much use. You've got to really soak that sponge in water for some time for it to be useful. So that when you apply it to the dirty car, the water actually overflows out of the sponge and begins to release the dirt on the car. And that's a picture of how the Holy Spirit wants to fill us. He wants to break down the hardness that's there in our hearts and soften us so that not just so we're filled, but so we overflow with the love of Jesus to others. It's a great picture, isn't it? We are supposed to overflow with joy, confidence, love, just like a sponge overflows. Luke makes it clear in the book of Acts that we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit initially when we become Christians. But if you read the book of Acts carefully, you will see that the disciples are filled and baptized with the Spirit on numerous occasions. But initially, all Christians receive the Holy Spirit at the point of conversion. Acts 2 verse 38, Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So one of the things that makes you a Christian is the gift of the Holy Spirit. We believe in Jesus and God, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. However, Luke makes it clear in the book of Acts that disciples are baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit numerous times, not just at conversion, but numerous times. So firstly, Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, when the day of Pentecost came, 
They were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, which filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And just a couple of chapters later, listen to this. Here's the apostles again in another prayer meeting in Acts chapter 4. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Luke does this again and again through the book of Acts. He shows that as disciples are filled, baptized, immersed, soaked in the Holy Spirit, they boldly talk about Jesus. They preach, they prophesy, they speak in tongues, they move in miracles of healing. That's a sign that they've been baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 8, we're told that the disciples in Samaria had believed in Jesus and been baptized in water. So they'd had that initial converting experience of the Spirit. They'd become Christians, but they hadn't yet been baptized and filled with the power of God for mission. Let's look at this, Acts chapter 8, verse 15. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply believed in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. What Luke is doing here, he's showing us that there are subsequent fillings of the Holy Spirit for witness and mission. You need God's power so that you can boldly and confidently speak about Jesus. So we, we shouldn't be going around saying, well, I received the Holy Spirit when I became a Christian. That'll do for me. It's not Luke's theology. Luke's theology is we, we should be asking for more and more and more of the power of the Spirit. Who doesn't need more joy, more confidence, more boldness about Jesus? Anybody in the room? Who doesn't need more love for God? Who doesn't need more power to move in the power of God? Not one of us. Again, in Acts chapter 10, Peter preached to the Gentiles and the Holy Spirit fell upon them as he preached about Jesus crucified and risen. Acts chapter 10, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Tongues for Luke are a sign of being baptized, filled, soaked, immersed in the Holy Spirit. Uh, not everyone is filled uh, with the Spirit and speaks in tongues in that way. Not everyone speaks in tongues. But I would encourage you to ask for the gift of tongues. It's a wonderful gift that releases power in your prayer life. And sometimes God gives a public gift of tongues um, that can be used in church, but that gift needs an interpretation. When you're praying in tongues privately, you don't need that interpreted because your spirit is praying to God. But a public tongue, which we've had occasionally in church here, does need an interpretation, either by the person giving the tongue or by somebody else in the church. 
That is God giving a heavenly language of praise to him, and it needs to be interpreted so everyone can understand. So although we receive the Holy Spirit when we first believe, God wants us to go on crying out for more of the baptism and filling of the Holy Spirit. It's an ongoing journey. Now, it needs to be said that apostles such as Peter, James, and John were first-hand witnesses of Jesus. They were with Jesus for three years. They sat and ate meals with him. They listened to his teaching. They saw the miracles that he did firsthand. They saw him die on a cross. They met him when he'd been raised from the tomb. They saw Jesus ascend back to heaven with their own eyes. And they'd seen the promise of Jesus for the gift of the Spirit fulfilled as tongues of fire literally descended on each of them and they were filled with spirit and spoke in foreign languages that they'd never learned. Slightly different from the tongues we hear about in Acts 10. Different, different tongues. These were language tongues, um, actual foreign languages, so that the people gathered in Jerusalem could understand them praising God in, in different languages. But nonetheless, still a, a sign of being baptized, filled by the Holy Spirit. And the filling of the Spirit gave them joy and confidence in what they believed. Do you remember Peter? He denied even knowing Jesus three times. And then, having been filled with the Spirit, he preached boldly about Jesus crucified and risen. 3,000 people came to faith and were baptized on the day of Pentecost as a result of Peter's bold, confident, Spirit-filled preaching. That's transformation, isn't it? People sometimes say, well, where's the evidence in the book of Acts that other people other than the apostles were filled with boldness. Well, I've got some for you. Acts 8, verse 1, here we go. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Now listen, those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. In other words, everybody else other than the apostles went and preached boldly wherever they went. Sorry, it's there in the book. You can't get out of it by saying it's just the, oh, that was a special time for the apostles. They were enabled by God for a special anointed ministry. Folks, Luke would have us be filled with confidence and boldness in sharing the good news of Jesus. It's in the text. We too can be bold, confident, and joyful. Many of us aren't. Can I just, uh, my testimony is going to be nowhere near as good as Janine's in a moment. Janine's finishing off my sermon because what she's got to say is really powerful. But here's my journey. I was a bit stuttery as a Christian teacher back in the day, a little bit wobbly about my faith a little bit reluctant to share, but I got prayed for at Soul Survivor and I received an anointing of the Holy Spirit for witness and I never looked back. It's not that I hadn't received the Holy Spirit as a Christian, I had. I needed to be filled again with power so that I would have confidence and boldness and courage to talk about Jesus. And guess what happened? I started praying, Lord, open some doors and he did. 
And it got fun. And it got messy. But who doesn't like a bit of fun and adventure and messiness in life? It's great, especially as a Christian. Being a Christian is an adventure. It's not a comfort zone thing, is it? We're in an adventure here. It's fun. It's fun to take risks because the God who is Lord and creator of the universe holds us in his hands. So there's nothing to fear. The other way that I grew in boldness was reading a couple of books. Here's one on the right. I read this again two days ago, Thursday morning I read this. Can we trust the Gospels? Uh, if you want these uh, sent to you, by the way, I can I, just come and ask me and I can send you the PowerPoint, all right? Can we trust the Gospels? I, you can read this in a couple of hours. It's only 100 pages long. It's by Peter Williams, who's a... Um, a professor at Cambridge University, and he proves again and again and again that the Gospels are trustworthy. He looks at all the geographical details in the Gospels. He looks at all the names in the Gospels. He looks at names of roads and streets and lakes in the Gospels. And he shows that again and again and again and again, the Gospels are historically reliable. It's a wonderful book. And the book on the left, Can I Really Trust the Bible? Barry Cooper, it's a broader book which looks at the Old Testament and the New and why we can trust them, why they're based on such great evidence. And when you read these books, your faith will go up a number of notches. It's not that you don't know this stuff already. It's when you read it and bathe in it and soak in it, your faith goes up. Because you think, God, you are really true. This stuff is backed up by great evidence. More evidence than there is in secular hist historians, by the way. More evidence from the Gospels by miles than there is for Tacitus or Cicero or any of the Roman or Greek historians. So read this stuff. Soak it in. Build your faith. And ask for the Holy Spirit to give you an experiential love for God and a boldness. And he will. Ask God to set your heart on fire again for Jesus. You see, it's about word and spirit together. That's why I encourage you to read these books. And that's why I encourage you to be filled with the Holy Spirit, because th that combination of word and spirit together is powerful. It's dynamite. And it will set you on fire. And you won't want to keep quiet when you love Jesus. Um, we're at a wedding on New Year's Eve. In fact, I was speaking at a wedding on New Year's Eve. Uh, we didn't make the cut for the sit down meal. And, and, and I had no resentment about that at all. Honestly, I don't. It was a lovely, lovely wedding. We enjoyed Krispy Kreme's donuts in the evening reception. That was enough for me. But the groom apparently spoke so lovingly and warmly about his bride. And I love to hear things like that because isn't that how we should speak about Jesus? Warmly, lovingly. You know, the, the, the groom was not embarrassed, you know, and apologetic for loving his wife. He wasn't, oh, I'm ever so humble. Do you mind if I share a few words? I'm a bit shy and, you know. It was, I love this girl. 
Why are we so reticent about Jesus? Jesus wants to set our hearts on fire again with love and passion. You see, the Holy Spirit gives us the power that we need to witness in appropriate, beautiful ways. We're not all extroverts. We're not all loud and out there, are we? But we can have boldness and confidence to still speak, right? I'm not saying we should all be loud out there people, but we should be confident and bold. The Holy Spirit gives appropriate patience and perseverance to, to husbands and wives whose partner are not Christian to persevere in just showing them the beauty and love of Jesus and praying that one day they would come to know Jesus for themselves. The Holy Spirit gives us the boldness to pray for open doors in the workplace that we'd be able to share Jesus. The Holy Spirit sometimes nudges us to cross the road and have a word with a stranger because it's their moment to come to know Jesus. The Holy Spirit sometimes tells us to visit somebody because it's their time to come to know Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit can do. Do we believe that? You better because Janine's gonna come and tell you a wonderful testimony of how the Holy Spirit can work through even me and you. Thank you, Janine. Good morning, all. Can you all hear me before I start? Yes. yes, good. I wish I'd kept my very vocals, but there you go. Um, I want to take you on a short journey with me between Christmas Eve and last Sunday. It's a bit of a jigsaw, but the pieces will all fit together, so bear with. When I took early retirement in November last year, I asked God, who am I going to share my faith with now? I was always on the lookout in the workplace. So I asked, please continue to place people in my path. My friend and fellow sister in Christ, Katie, is very special to me and us all. I'd worked with her and joined her on her own Christian journey here. We've been welcomed by her family and it's been a joy getting to know them. So when we heard that her mum, Marion, had had a stroke on Christmas Eve on top of her other complex health issues, we were shocked and I cried because my heart went out to them all. My immediate instinct was to pray for healing, peace, comfort, strength, energy, for safe journeys to and from St. George's in London. And during a pause, a question popped into my head. Lord, I know Marion's done the Alpha course, but does she know you as her Lord and Saviour? Coincidentally, not, quite a few people here would ask me the same question over the coming days. So this barely left my mind. I felt compelled to do something and continued to pray about it that evening. The first prompting from the Spirit on Christmas morning was to pray again for Marion and the family. And I sensed a need to share a page from Nikki Gumbel's book, Why Jesus, as Katie was due to visit her mum. Marilyn and Peter had knocked on the door that Christmas morning to wish us a happy Christmas, and I ran those thoughts past her. She excitedly said, yes, that's God speaking to you. You must do it. <laughs> so I took a photo of the prayer, inviting Christ into our lives, and sent it to Katie, saying, 
God has prompted me to send this, endorsed by Marilyn, hope that's okay. <laughs> but part of me felt like I was palming this off onto my friend who'd already got enough to contend with, a sad Christmas day for them. But I prayed there may be opportunity to share the page I'd just sent. However, and from personal experience, many of us know how difficult it can be to share Jesus with immediate family, especially if it's not on a one-to-one -one basis. So the question continued to be focal in my mind. The spirit was telling me, you're not done yet. <coughs> my prayers shifted to, please can Marion come to know you if she doesn't? And please, would there be a bed for her at St. Peter's really soon? Although Katie and I were in touch regularly, I was so relieved to physically see her when she came round for a cuppa between Christmas and New Year. She'd brought along the most beautifully crafted album that she'd discovered, made by her mum, full of family history facts and old photographs. It goes back five generations to her great, great, great grandmother, and she'd made one for each of her daughters. I was genuinely interested to read of the South London connections where I'd grown up and the pictures of our ancestors and their businesses. Butchers featured in both our histories, and there were also references of going to church and faith. Not long after this, Katie told me that Marion was being transferred to St. Peter's the following day. What an answer to prayer. I felt so relieved for her and the family, no longer having to do that journey to and from London every day, and hopefully it would alleviate some of the stress they were going through. I immediately asked Katie if I could go and visit, and she said, of course you can. She'd love that. And I asked her if she'd told her mum whether she'd found the album, and she had. So I was feeling encouraged with an excitement, but the spirit was yet to tell me the album would be my starting point. I prayed our visit would be fruitful for boldness, wisdom, the right words, spirit-led, and for that perfect opportunity to ask Marion the big question. We'd be going that Sunday at 4 p.m. and Martin had assured us of his prayers for this visit. When Tony and I arrived at Marion's bedside, we think she may have been asleep. I looked at Tony and for a split second thought, perhaps we should go. We don't want to disturb her, do we? However, I was prodded by the spirit to sit tight and started praying in my head as we looked at her, not knowing how much communication there would be, if any. As I touched her hand, I said her name and Marion stirred. Thankfully, she wasn't cross that we'd probably just woken her up. Marion faintly asked if we could get the nurse to give us some paracetamol as she had a headache. It took a little time to find the right nurse responsible for her, but she eventually came to administer this and then she went. But then she came back again to take her vitals and adjust her pillows. I prayed for no further interruptions. Much as Marion's care was important, I had this eagerness to carry on. I felt led to move to the other side of the bed, to sit at her right side, her better side. So I moved to the chair where she could see me better, with my back to the door, almost defying any further interruptions. I started to talk about the family albums. She slowly said, they took me a long, long time to do, over a year. We progressed to our mutual South London routes, then about the butcher's shops. I said, I bet you never went without a turkey at Christmas. And she answered, actually, mum would often get us a lamb. 
the sacrificial lamb shot through my mind. We then moved on to her ancestors being Christians and churchgoers, and this led me to ask about her journey on the Alpha course here at Heathervale. Marion asked, what do you mean? So I firstly shared a familiar passage to us all, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. I said, Marion, can I ask, do you believe that Jesus is the son of God? She replied, yes, I do. And I said, so there's your faith. Then Marion threw a bit of a curveball statement back at me saying, but I've never quite got the Holy Spirit bit. Aha, uh -huh, I thought. But the Spirit led me to Mark's analogy and explanations from last Sunday's all age talk, the liquid water, the solid ice, and the kettle steam. They're three in one, I said, being God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And I added that Martin had firmly told us in his sermon that morning that the Holy Spirit is a him, not an it. And a tiny smile and laugh appeared on the right side of her face. Now came the burning question, and the Spirit reminded me to copy Martin's boldness and words when we both visited an ill aunt of mine some 10 years ago. Verbatim, I said, Marion, is it about time and would you like to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour into your life? Marion answered, yes, please. I couldn't control my smile and excitement. I asked her if I could read and pray the prayer for her at the end of the Why Jesus book. Marion said, yes, please. And also without any prompting, said yes at the end of each line, resounding with our men at the end of the prayer. I was now bursting inside. I followed with hands-on prayer for the spirit to be ignited within Marion and for her to experience an abundance of God's love, joy and peace within her and also for the headache to go and further healing. It had been a very precious 40 minutes at her bedside. I'm absolutely overjoyed that Marion is now another precious child of God and have felt this joy all week knowing that heaven is celebrating her step of faith in Jesus Christ and naturally we continue, continue to pray for her. I don't think there's a perfect textbook way in having these conversations and sharing our faith with people, but when we ask God, we receive and his spirit empowers us and equips us via many different unexpected paths and people to accomplish this for God's glory. And I'd love to encourage you all to pray for opportunities and boldness to bring people to Christ. His spirit will do the rest. It's a blessing to them, a blessing to you, and honouring to God for his glory. Thank you. And I ask that we stand in the presence of God. God wants to, through uh, the book of Acts, it's not just for Janine, it's not just for evangelists, this gift of boldness, confidence, joy, heart for, for witness, to share Jesus, according to Luke, is for every single Christian. So if you want to receive the Spirit, can I just ask that you might just want to indicate that openness by just coming to God with empty hands, showing God that you uh, want to be filled, these empty hands, fill me, Lord. If you want to be filled with boldness, with joy, with love, so that you can share Jesus in the ways that 
Janine has just shared, would you just, uh, just hold out your hands? <coughs> Holy Spirit, come and fill us afresh. We wait on you now. I encourage you to use the silence to just pray your own prayers, asking the Spirit to come and fill you. Maybe you've never received the boldness, the joy, the confidence, the power that you've been hearing about. Why don't you, as we're continuing to worship, why don't you just turn to a neighbour, uh, those around you, and just ask them to just lay hands on you um, and pray for more of the Spirit to come and fill you afresh. So as we're singing, just going to, if, if you'd like to receive more of the Spirit, I can ask that you just you turn to a neighbor and just ask that prayer team, you'd be aware of, of, of people who are seeking. Let's just, uh, where, where we're sat or stood, where we're stood or sat, let's just be asking people around us for the gift of the Spirit. But as we are waiting, we're going to sing, there must be more than this. So just turn to a neighbor and say, look, I want more of the Spirit. Can you pray with me? There must be more than this Oh, breath of God Come breathe for 
have your way, Lord, have your way, Lord, have your way with us. in a church where I was given the knowledge of the Trinity but without really that teaching about the person of the Holy Spirit about the fact that the Holy Spirit is for all of us today so I know what it's like to perhaps feel a bit wary to feel that this is a bit strange <laughs> if you like um, and as I was walking along to church this morning, I was thinking of the words of that song, Consuming Fire, and just wondering, perhaps there are people who actually, that's a disturbing thought, consuming. We perhaps think of consuming fire as something that, that destroys, but the Holy Spirit isn't like that. The Holy Spirit consumes what's wrong, what's not, not of God. And fire brings life, and the Holy Spirit brings life to, to what's good, to what's godly in us, brings it to life. It's nothing to be, he is nothing to be afraid of, the, this fire. And then I was led to think of the giant sequoia trees um, that exist in places like California. They are massive. There's the big General Sherman tree that's got a gap in the middle where you can drive a truck through. And these massive trees can only be propagated through fire. It's the fire that sets the seed germinating and grows into these massive, massive trees. They're, they're just incredible to see. And that's what the Holy Spirit can do in, in our lives. Just bring alive everything that God wants us to be. If you still um, would, would value prayer, then do please stay in, in this part of the building um, where people will come and pray with you. And uh, otherwise, we go into the lounge for, for tea and coffee and, and uh, just spending time with one another. Thank you.